Okay, everyone. Hi, this is Representative Dan Miller. I want to thank you for joining us on a special edition of On the Table. Uh, here we'll be giving you actually the audio to a virtual discussion that we recently held uh, on Alzheimer's and the state plan and the state response and what we need to talk about um, as a larger community uh, regarding this growing need uh, that is impacting not just Western PA in Pennsylvania, but our country. Um, look, Alzheimer's, obviously, uh, the numbers are showing we're going to see an increase, a sizable increase. Um, and you're going to hear us talk about that on this uh, on the audio here. Uh, if by some chance you'd like to watch the video itself, you can see it on repdanmiller.com. Just at the webinar button there and you'll be able to check it out. There are some presentations, um, some, um, you know, some information that will be visual so you won't capture the entirety of what we're discussing um, on this podcast, but you will definitely hear uh, the very, the meat of it and the concern and, and base in really where we need to be talking about going forward. So Alzheimer's will definitely be a topic. It's always been a topic that I spent a lot of time on. We're going to continue to do that. We hope you find this conversation, um, you know, uh, interesting and it's probably a little bit unnerving in some way, uh, but we have to keep talking about Alzheimer's and we have to keep talking about how we can help uh, those diagnosed and those uh, who are providing care. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. Um, and uh, as always, thanks for subscribing to On the Table. Okay, hello. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I am Representative Dan Miller. Thank you for uh, joining us um, wherever or however you're watching us. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I, um, I still do rely on doing some of these virtual uh, meetings and discussions, so I very much appreciate everybody because I know we have some people from across the state who are joining us as well. Uh, just a couple uh, things of, of housekeeping, of course. Um, you know, we always appreciate any questions that are emailed in. By all means, please do for those who are watching uh, live. Uh, we will, of course, be recording it. We will uh, have it available for rebroadcast uh, through a variety of our platforms afterwards. So if you miss any part of it, of course, uh, you know, it's there. Um, and, you know, just before I get into our panel uh, discussion, uh, panelists here, too, I want to just mention how glad I am and appreciative uh, that I am to have people here. Look, the, the reality of it is, it's, um, you know, before the pandemic in particular, we would always do an Alzheimer event of some type, you know, and it's one of those issues where, um, you know, to be honest, I, I feel like we, we don't focus enough on, on in Harrisburg uh, and uh, the impact not only is massive for those who are going through the challenge of Alzheimer's now, uh, but it's likely just going to magnify um, and cause a, bust, a bunch of system uh, sort of red flags and, and maybe failures as we go forward. And that's what concerns me, um, you know, looking ahead to where certain projections and needs uh, and funding needs to be in order for us to be able to help. Um, you know, obviously there's things on the cure side, uh, in the health side that I think we have to continue to keep making investments. But while we're trying to figure out better ways to provide treatments and care, we also have to be talking about those who are going through the system now or who will shortly be entering the system and how best we could help them uh, access. Um, and, and obviously with all the types of questions that come up with it, it, um, it can be incredibly challenging. So that's why I'm glad to kind of bring some people who know it better than I do uh, to come and talk and let's figure out a little bit where we are as a state uh, get a little bit of an update. So I have four guests with me today, which I very much appreciate. Each guest has been kind enough to give me a bio. Um, 
I, I will be doing them all a disservice. OK, so I will not read every aspect uh, of them, uh, of their bios, but you know, we'll, we will go into it. But thank you all, all four of you for joining us here today. So let me give you a little bit of insight as to who we have. Uh, first, we have uh, Melissa Myers. Uh, Melissa is the executive policy specialist in the policy office at the Department of Health. Thank you, Melissa. She started her career for the uh, House of Representatives in the Democratic Caucus, where she worked for over 12 years in several roles. Oh, wow, a whole bunch of things. All right, Melissa, I see that. Uh, she then joined the Department of Aging's uh, legislative team um, and uh, where she worked as a spe legislative specialist and director of Ledge Affairs. Uh, and she ended up returning to the DOH, not to actually a little bit before the pandemic. Uh, so uh, I guess Melissa is from Pittsburgh, so we appreciate that. Graduated from uh, Slippery Rock as well. So thank you, uh, Melissa, for being here with us. Uh, Julie, and, and help me with that, I'm going to say Sebi. I'm not sure if I have it right. Sebi, you tell Sebi. me. Yes, CB, you there you it. go. Thank you, Thank Julie. Thank you. CB, yes. Julie is the chief of the Older Americans Act Service Division, has been with the Department of Aging for eight years. Uh, she began as aging service specialist for the Northwest region of the state in the Division of Housing and Community Service and transitioned to the chief of the division in 2018 before assuming her current role uh, just last, last year. Her previous experience includes working with the Department of Human Services, as a program specialist in the medical assistance long-term care policy unit and as an income uh, maintenance caseworker. I tell you what, um, Julie, there's so many titles, right? There's so many, and this is where, by the way, I, I like to talk with people too, because uh, all these you know, things sometimes gets very confusing for people where they're like, what does that mean? What does this mean? But you have, you've done a lot. So I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about how those things all impact today's discussion. So thank you for sharing. Um, uh, I also have Brent, is it Brendan Hanley? Do I got that right, Brendan? Thank you. Uh, is the uh, safety and support chief, uh, a division chief at the Allegheny County Area uh, Agency on Aging. In his role, he has oversight of several programs, including other, uh, other adult protective services, options care management, career support program. Again, a lot of things. Brendan has worked at the Area Aging on, um, Agency on Aging since 2009, a lot of experience. Brendan, thank you. We always appreciate to the county uh, jumping in. And then finally is uh, Jen. I'm going to assume it's Ebersole. So did I get it? No, maybe. Jen Ebersole. I did get it. So all right, all right. Um, Jen is a seasoned Pennsylvania government relations professional with 18 years of experience managing a variety of responsibilities, legislation, regulations, and other policies, state policies. Uh, she carried out the, these responsibility previously in the office of. Uh, State Senator Costa, uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Health, uh, Legislative and Policy Offices, and the American Heart Association. Uh, Jen joined the Alzheimer's Association in February of 2019 as the Director of State Government Affairs uh, to, and obviously manages all those responsibilities. And so I tell you, it is always great uh, and I appreciate um, the Alzheimer's Association for their advocacy work. Um, you know, they are one of the first groups who came to speak to me when I got elected, so I do appreciate that too. So look, we have a lot of uh, uh, information that's coming. That was a quick, and like I said, a disservice to all four of my guests to try and quickly go through their great bios, and even then we scratched the surface. What we're gonna do today is we're gonna go through, um, uh, I think starting with Melissa, go through uh, each one of the guests uh, to get some update on a couple things, and then we're gonna be talking some questions um, you know, at the end of it here. Uh, so I, I'm very much, for those of you who can't see uh, me, I already got my notepad 
All right, so I'm ready to write down some thoughts and questions as we go, and I definitely appreciate people. Look, the key thing is there's a state plan. Okay, there's a state plan here in Pennsylvania. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't hear a lot about the state plan. All right, and that's why I thought it would be great for us to kind of focus on where we are, how's it working, how's it not working. I know there were some things that were requested this past budget year. I don't think those requests were met. We got to still kind of give an update here on, on, on what I believe is a lot of interest for people to go, okay, look, my family's in, my family's coming in. I have loved ones in this year. What do they at home need to advocate for reps and senators to be like, look, if this is something that matters uh, to you and your family here, please uh, reach out. So these are all things here that we're trying to do uh, to get updated and also encourage people to talk to other elected officials uh, as well to make sure that maybe next year we can get closer and closer to fulfilling every aspect of the state plan. Well, that being said, though, let's figure out a bit where we are now. So I think we're going to go to Melissa. Uh, so Melissa, you're kicking us off, right? Yes, I believe so. All right. So Melissa, thank you. I'm going to shut up for a bit and uh, I got my pen in hand. So please, Melissa, go ahead. OK, thank you, Representative. Um, hello, everybody. What I'm first going to do here is I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to start off with a very quick PowerPoint. I'm going to talk about Act 9 of 2022. Now, as you can tell, that was something that was um, very recently uh, put into law. And what that is, is the early detection and diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease or a related disorder. Um, now, well, what exactly does that mean? Okay, um, it means that as of earlier, the House and the Senate, and that would be earlier of this year, they signed a bill into law um, that said, you know what, that the resources that are currently out there are okay, but you know, I think we need to have a little bit more of something for our providers and then um, also for the general public. We need something where they can go to and um, get some information. So what we did was we went ahead and we um, started developing the website. I mean, I'm gonna get into that in a little bit, but um, this was effective, um, like I said, earlier this year on April 10th. I'm going to go to the next slide. Um, and again, it really furthers the discussion about how Pennsylvania can enhance our efforts um, to improve the care support services for all of those impacted by Alzheimer's disease um, and related dementias. Um, so what it specifically did was require health um, to put together information, make it publicly accessible, which we did through a website. And we also do have available on the website handouts. Um, and it also asked us to put together some educational resources um, for, for our medical personnel that are out there. Um, but what I'm gonna primarily focus on today for this audience is the website information. So I'm gonna go ahead and um, go to the website. The first feature I wanna show you is that we do have um, for our um, non-English speaking um, folks out there, um, we do have over a hundred different languages that we can translate this information into. Um, so we, we wanted to make sure that you were aware of that. Um, also, um, the first part of the website outlines what is Alzheimer's disease? What is a related disorder? Um, if you go ahead, that we do um, take this to links um, onto uh, the National Institutes of Health, as well as um, the National Aging web pages, um, as well as specific information on some of the dementias that maybe aren't as prevalent as Alzheimer's disease, um, but do affect a lot of individuals. Um, and one particular resource I did want to pull up that might be helpful to your audience is, let's say you or you have a family member um, 
and you're not quite sure, you know, what might be happening. Um, what this um, information does is it provides the different types of dementia, the primary types, um, the most um, diagnosed types, and then it also um, gives a quick breakdown as to, and I apologize, this is not pulling up, but there we go. It gives a quick breakdown for the symptoms as well as the typical age of the diagnosis um, of, of Alzheimer's disease as well as related dementias. Um, so that is something that's just a page long and you can take a quick look at. Um, I'm going to also go ahead and go into, um, we do have additional resources on Alzheimer's disease, um, specifically highlighting how minorities and women are at greater risk for the disease. Um, and then also, um, we wanted to make sure that um, we highlighted um, really the good work that the Department of Aging has done for many years um, relating to Alzheimer's disease and related disorders, um, including um, their area agencies on aging, which is a great resource to utilize. Um, so we do highlight the signs and symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, um, as well as um, what to do. So, so what what does it mean, right? What suppose I'm my loved one is forgetting, but I don't know if it is what's considered normal forgetfulness, or if it's maybe something a little bit more serious. So what we did was we pulled together this. Um, pamphlet from the National Institutes of Health to try and help help you decipher between what is mild forgetfulness and then when do I really need to be concerned? Perhaps it's something more serious like Alzheimer's disease or one of the other related dementias. So again, this is something um, that you can directly link to uh, from our website. Um, and again, not to take away anything from Jen or the Alzheimer's Association, but this was a great resource and I apologize, Jen, if you were going to pull this up. Um, we wanted to make sure we put this on our website. And it's from the something that the Alzheimer's Association puts together. Um, when you do go visit your doctor, um, what is information that you should be prepared to discuss, um, especially since we know that um, when you're speaking with medical personnel, um, sometimes um, you may not feel like you have a lot of time um, to get out your questions. Um, so this, um, like I said, is a really great resource from the Alzheimer's Association um, with questions to ask, information that um, you should be prepared um, to share um, with your doctor um, or medical personnel when you talk about um, possibly you or a loved one um, having, having any of these diseases. Um, we did also um, include some additional resources here. Um, ARPS, um, Family Caregiver Guides, um, we know the strain that Alzheimer's disease has on caregiving. Um, so what we did was we wanted to make sure that folks knew that um, there was not only a, a family caregiving guide that, that is free out there, but then also it comes with, with in different languages as well or um, is catered to um, certain, certain audiences out there as well. Um, so really, where does the Department of Health kind of kind of come in on this? Um, so, you know, we know that adults with health issues have a higher risk of, of memory problems. So um, we also wanted to put up, um, can it necessarily be prevented? We don't know, but um, we did want to highlight risk factors that, that have been associated with Alzheimer's and um, how we can take care of ourselves, healthy aging, healthy brain initiative, um, eat a healthy diet, um, treat hearing problems, try and stay mentally active. Um, and then towards the end of our web page, um, again, this is helpful, but like Representative Miller said, some of you may not have, you know, maybe you don't have access to the inter internet. Maybe you um, 
don't necessarily like going on the internet. Maybe you'd rather speak to someone face to face. So we do have a couple of phone numbers listed here of um, including the Alzheimer's Association um, as to um, where you can get some help if you do want to talk to somebody. So that, um, yeah. yep. Well, you know, and obviously, so what we basically have here on, on DOH is what should be, I imagine, uh, a, a great collection of starter resources for people uh, to, to understand a little bit more. And one quick thing here, and I, I know we're going to you know, move to Julie as well, but um, I know you mentioned first the languages on this site, um, which is great. It's great to have, obviously, that capability. I think technology is moving in, in a good direction. Um, is, is this website that you guys here have developed with Alzheimer's, is this compatible with, any, with the software that are needed for those who are visually impaired to be able to, to get this information as well? Um, I, I believe it is, um, but I will have to double check with my folks on that just to make sure. I, I believe that it is. I believe in the top right-hand corner um, there is some information, and let me stop sharing my screen here too. I believe there is a voice translation as well, but that is something I would like to I would like to um, talk to my folks about and get back yeah, to you on that. And, and it's just, in, you know, we'll we'll go into more details with, but it is always something that concerns me a bit, uh, which is when we're talking about accessibility and, and having information up there. You know, we have mm -hmm. to be sure that one way or the other, those who are are visually impaired to any degree can see this information uh, mm -hmm. in, and and obviously too what you put up there is, is sort of the starter nobody's getting diagnosed with uh with alzheimer's over the uh, over doh's website right so correct right yeah. right yeah and we even highlight that at the end that you know we do have this information out there for folks but really the best people to talk to are the medical personnel who can make the official diagnoses well no doubt about that and so thank you melissa for giving us a little bit of rundown of what the state uh, has put together for resources on uh, on the web. That is great. Let's go over to Julie Seavey. Um, and I think we're gonna get a little bit more into the task force, into the state plan. Uh, Julie, please. Great, thank you so much, Representative Miller. I'm going to share my screen. I have a very short PowerPoint as well. I'm honored to be here with everyone to talk about the great work happening in Pennsylvania around Alzheimer's disease and related disorders. We commonly refer to that as ADRD. And I'll be speaking to you, um, like Representative Miller, Miller mentioned, about the ADRD state plan and the work of the Pennsylvania Department of Aging and our task force. In February of 2013, Governor Corbett signed an executive order establishing the Pennsylvania Alzheimer's Disease State Planning Committee as a call to action in order to address the growing ADRD epidemic occurring within our Commonwealth. The committee was charged with creating a plan for Pennsylvania to address and to respond to this growing epidemic. The executive order established the committee um, within the Department of Aging and also prescribed the composition of the committee. And this included legislators, representatives from various sectors, and a representative from the Department of Health and what was previously known as the Department of Public Welfare, now we know as the Department of Human Services. The executive order called on the Secretary of Aging, who was Brian Duke at the time, to serve as the chair. So in 2014, the planning committee issued their PA state plan for ADRD. The ADRD state plan, it's not a plan for the Department of Aging to carry out on our own. 
The ADRD state plan is a plan for all of Pennsylvania. Addressing ADRD is larger than any one organization or sector can address really by itself. It requires partnerships and collaboration among various stakeholders, particularly at the local level, to move the needle forward in addressing the needs of this growing population. It's a plan for any agency, any organization, any provider, any community, really anyone who interacts with, provides services to, does research on or cares for an individual living with ADRD or their families or caregiver. The plan provides a framework of goals, objectives, and strategies that anyone can take a piece of and implement in their organization or community. The plan was a first step to identify recommended priorities and set a course of direction for PA. So the plan was a set of recommendations to the governor. Please see the re recommendations on the PowerPoint. The strategies suggested in the plan, and there are many of them, they're not mandates, and there's no requirement to carry out each and every one of these recommendations. However, one of those recommendations was for the Department of Aging to convene an annual ADRD summit or forum to share progress being made and best practices that could be shared across the state. We hosted our first ADRD forum in November of 2016, or 2016, I'm sorry, and we have continually and have continued annually since then. So we host the forums each November, and this year the forum will be held virtually on November 3rd. We highlight the best practices happening in PA um, during this forum this year. So registration will be available in October. So please be on the lookout for that if you're interested in attending, and I encourage you to do so. So now just to give you a little bit of history on our ADRD task force. The Department of Aging is a very small agency, and we have a very small complement of staff. We have one specialist who has responsibility for activities related to ADRD, but they also have other responsibilities as well. So our task force was not a recommendation of the state plan. The idea for creating the task force was developed around the end of 2017 with the intent to help us advance whatever objectives we could within our scope at the local level, identify best practices to to be shared across the state and to really assist us with the development of the content for the ADRD forum each year. Its design was not as an advisory committee to the department really, but rather a boots on the ground working group comprised of people who had their finger on the pulse of what's going on in their communities, who had that passion for working with this population and who could help identify local best practices that could be shares shared and also advance objectives at their local level where they could. At our annual forum held in November of 2017, we formally announced our desire to create this task force. We handed out forms for anyone who wanted to be considered for serving. We wanted a diverse task force with representation from across the state. Therefore, members were selected based on a number of factors, geographical location being one of them, but also what population or sector of the community they represented, 
And additionally, we wanted representation from individuals living with ADRD and caregivers of individuals living with ADRD. So our task force was officially created in early 2018. Initially, our task force consisted of 15 members with two co-chairs. However, you know, we've had some members come and go and eventually decided the task force could function with one chair. There's no set term limits for the task force members, but our chair serves a two year term. And we just elected a new chair in January. Each year, the task force identifies priorities for the year. Priority areas have been around creating dementia friendly communities, early detection, diagnosis and treatment, racial disparities and inequities in receiving early detection, diagnosis and treatment, and most recently on provider and consumer education about ADRD and the importance of early detection, diagnosis and treatment. I mentioned dementia friendly communities and I'd like to take just a minute to talk about this as it was an initial priority of the task force. There's an ADRD state plan goal related to dementia friendly communities and the Jewish Healthcare Foundation, who happens to be the license holder for Dementia Friends PA, is also represented on, on our task force. Dementia Friends is a global movement changing the way people think, act and talk about dementia. We partnered with them to target Dementia Friends informational sessions to our network and to other sectors. Currently, as of, as of September 1st, there are 9,329 dementia friends in PA. So we're really hoping to hit 10,000 by the end of this year. These informational sessions are facilitated by a volunteer who's called a champion. And our goal is to have a champion located in every county. And we're getting there. We also worked with dementia friends to translate their materials into other languages to reach culturally diverse and underserved populations. Something else I wanted to share with you um, was the infographic shown on the slide. This is something that our task force created. And when you have the opportunity, I encourage you to visit our website to see information re related to early detection and diagnosis, which is a re direct result of the infographic I just showed you. The task force is also working to identify ways to reach out to physicians to stress the importance of early detection and diagnosis. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you all today. Representative Miller, I'll turn it back to you. Yes, yes, thank you. And uh, a lot of good information there uh, and always appreciate the slides too. I think uh, we got to find a way to, to see if we can grab these and, and just be sure that we put them out, out there for people as well. So uh, if, if my staff doesn't have them yet, uh, we will ask for them. Uh, so, uh, but thank you for all that information. We'll come back to you as well. But let's go to Brendan over at the at the county and uh, the, uh, the AAA. So uh, Brendan, by all means, my friend, uh, please take it away. Thanks, Representative Miller, and, and good afternoon uh, to everyone watching. Um, thanks for having me. My name is Brendan Hanley. I'm a division chief at the Allegheny County Area Agency on Aging. I don't have slides, but, but I think we can share out some information after. But what I am going to talk about are services available uh, for folks in Allegheny County and also for folks tuning in in other counties. What I would just say right off the top is there are 52 AAAs across the state of Pennsylvania 
and most of the programs that I'm going to talk about from the Allegheny County side are available at the AAA that, that represents your, your county or region. So first I would say our, the Area Agency on Aging typically provides services for individuals 60 and over. There are exceptions to that and I would encourage you um, to reach out to our senior line. I'm going to provide the phone number in a moment. If you have any kind of question about your eligibility for any of the programs that, that I'm going to speak about. But our Area Agency on Aging serves all kinds of folks, um, seniors themselves, but also their caregivers, their families. We also work with community partners and social workers. Um, the first step to receiving services through our agency, or if you just have a question about really anything, our policy, we call it no wrong door at our senior line, is if we don't have the answer, we're gonna point you in the direction where you can get at that answer. And our senior line's phone number is 412-350-5460 or toll free 1-800-344-4319. And our senior line really is the gateway to receiving services through our agency. It's manned by what we call care managers um, on our phones who are very experienced in terms of hearing an issue you may have in pointing you in the right direction of either the service or resource that, that could best assist you. So what kind of services are available? Um, home delivered meals, uh, caregiver support, counseling for health insurance. If you have a question or need just kind of pointed in the right direction on making a decision about health insurance, legal resources, um, volunteer opportunities for folks who are interested. Um, we also operate a network of senior centers throughout Allegheny County that have a wide array of activities and also many have meals um, available throughout the day. And then we also help run our farmers market voucher program once a year that is very popular as well as an older adult protective services unit that, that I'll mention how to make a report to in a moment. But once again, I just wanted to repeat that senior line phone number 412-350-5460 or the toll free 1-800-344-4319. And if you live in a county that's not Allegheny and you need to get a hold of your local area agency on aging, you can also call our senior line and we'll make sure you get connected. We also have uh, a program called the Caregiver Support Program that I wanted to talk about, and that's for a friend or family member who's caring for a loved one. This is a program that helps provide reimbursement and training and resources to folks who are caregivers. Anyone who, who has been a caregiver or is a caregiver knows, knows how challenging it can be. The Caregiver Support Program exists to provide you respite or also just to help lighten the load financially with, with monthly reimbursement. The first step um, to discussing if you're interested in that program is to call our senior line. Additionally, we have what, what's called options care management. Options care management is for individuals 60 and over um, who have a need for um, whether it be personal care in the home, whether it be someone just to come in and do a little sweeping up or help make a, help make a meal, um, it also is a program that provides home delivered meals for seniors, as well as what we call personal supplies. If, if you know a senior who is in need of um, uh, like nutritional supplies or, or um, pull-ups, things like that, options can help offset the cost of some of those things. 
additionally, the program can also help offset the cost for um, what we call home modifications. This would be like a lift chair, a stair ride, um, things along those lines. Um, the options program, like I said, serves individuals 60 and over. The first step is calling our senior line if, if you yourself or you know someone who, who may benefit from this. And the last program that I just wanted to touch on quickly is a really important one, and that's older adult protective services. Certainly for uh, any older adult, but especially folks who have um, either dementia or Alzheimer's, um, older adult protective services serves to keep older adults safe. The phone number for older adult protective services picks up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The toll free number is 1-800 four nine zero eight five zero five if you had a concern for yourself for a loved one for a neighbor we would encourage you to contact older adult protective services it's also important to know that callers to the older adult protective services hotline can remain anonymous uh, but our older adult protective services unit investigates all different types of abuse neglect we call financial exploitation, which is a growing problem across the state, as well as as well as what we call self neglect. If an older adult resides on their own and is unable to, to care for themselves. If you had a concern, we would encourage you to call older adult protective services at that 1-800-490-8505. We have a wide array of services beyond just what I talked about briefly. And again, I would encourage you to call our senior line if you'd like to know a little bit more. Thanks, Representative Miller. Thank you, Brendan. I appreciate it. I, I want to jump to Jen because I think Jen jumps in and out a little bit here with her internet. So hopefully we have her for just a little bit anyhow. Uh, Jen, do you, do you got us? I I have you guys. Do you have me? <laughs> we have you. Okay. So, uh, yes, yes. Uh, so so first why of all, go ahead. Yep, Representative Miller, thank you so much. And if I do have to jump from my um, screen to my phone, I will. I'm, I'm ready for that. So I'll just apologize in advance for that. Um, but certainly wanted to just thank you so much for, for having us here. And um, really briefly, I thought it would be great to just um, uh, let folks know who are viewing a little bit about the Alzheimer's Association. Wanted to let folks know who the Alzheimer's Association is, where we are in the community. Um, and so here at the Alzheimer's Association, uh, we are a worldwide volunteer voluntary health organization uh, dedicated to Alzheimer's care support and research. And we also lead the way to end Alzheimer's and other dementias by accelerating global research, driving risk reduction and early detection, and maximizing quality care and support for all that are impacted by the disease. And right here in Pennsylvania, in addition to all over the country, um, we are here for the community. So we are here for your constituents. Um, if you or anyone is impacted by the disease and need help, um, we are here to help support you. And we do that through our 24-7 toll-free hotline. Um, it is available, it's a free service, it's available around the clock, 365 days a year. Um, and we offer confidential support and information to anyone that is working through this disease. And we have master's level uh, clinical staff that are there to support you in any way that they can. 
We also have virtual and in-person support groups um, that are available to, um, and again, uh, those that are living with the disease or caregivers um, that offer um, support and conversations through through peer discussions or professionally guided conversations. So would encourage um, folks, if you want to learn more about our support groups, to please um, access that information. Uh, we also offer free live education programs that are delivered in person or virtually, um, and they offer a range of classes like Alzheimer's and Dementia Basics, um, healthy living for your brain and body, and caregiving tips, including how to manage your money. And then lastly, we have our community resource finder. So if anyone is looking for information or services, whether it is home and community based services or long term care or support groups, if you're looking to find where those services are located within your local community, uh, you can access our community resource finder. Uh, this is a free program that we have available in conjunction with AARP um, that you can access information there. And the Alzheimer's Association, we are also the leading Alzheimer's advocacy organization dedicated to, um, you know, working to advance with and through the Alzheimer's impact movement um, to, in, to work on policy changes at both the federal and state level um, to improve the lives of all of those impacted. And in doing so, we recruit a nationwide network and certainly a, we, we boast a, a strong representation here in Pennsylvania um, of volunteer advocates and they help to ensure that our messages about care and support and research is heard at every level of state government. And truly it is, um, I think, part of the reason why we are here with you today is the result of some of our advocacy efforts. Um, and, you know, so much we hear that so often, and, and I think we see a lot of this in Pennsylvania as well, um, people view Alzheimer's as an aging issue or they only worry about it, um, you know, older in life. And while the biggest risk factor, of course, is age, that certainly is very far um, from the case. And in fact, Alzheimer's and other dementias, it is a growing public health challenge and it's profoundly impacting the physical, emotional and financial health of all of those impacted. And typically when we say, you know, what makes a public health problem a public health issue? And it's really looking at three major things. When the burden is large, the impact is major, but there's ways to intervene against something. And that's what makes something a public health issue. And with Alzheimer's, that certainly is the case. And I'm gonna provide just some numbers um, just to try to showcase the impact of Alzheimer's here in Pennsylvania. So we currently have 280,000 Pennsylvanians that are age 65 or older living with the disease. We know, we expect that number is going to um, increase by 14% to 320,000 individuals by just 2025. That's just three years from now, two and a half years from now, actually. Um, we also have 401,000 unpaid caregivers. Those are typically friends and family that are providing unpaid care for those living with the disease. We also know when we talk about the cost of care, Alzheimer's and dementia is one of the most expensive diseases that, um, you know, the, to actually the cost of caring for somebody with Alzheimer's. And when you look at the state Medicaid dollars, um, in 2020, almost $3.7 billion in Medicaid costs were 
paid out caring for somebody with Alzheimer's. And that number is projected to increase 10% again in just two and a half years. And so we look at these numbers and these numbers are just growing and they're projected to grow. Um, and, you know, especially when we think about we understand now today that the brain changes associated with Alzheimer's and dementia take root many years um, before any, even some in ca some cases decades, before any symptoms may occur. And um, behaviors and health conditions, um, even earlier than that, can impact a person's uh, risk for cognitive decline later in life. In fact, research is showing us that doing things that are healthy for the heart is healthy for the brain engaging in physical activity and other modifiable risk factors actually can uh, uh, slow the progression of cognitive decline and essentially delay dementia um, and so it's really important that um, you know, we need to be looking at this issue, not just from the aging lens. We really do need to be starting to look at this issue about how public health can intervene because public health really does actively promote health at all ages and stages of life, and they use population health strategies to change those outcomes. And so I'm going to stop presenting here so that we can talk a little bit more. Is everybody still hearing me okay? Yeah, I'm no, still no. Here. yeah, we got you, Jen, and and okay. thank you, thank you for all that information. I'll invite everybody to uh, to join us uh, here. We do have some questions that have come both in the chat and also um, also uh, through email. So uh, first, I, I had made reference, and I don't think we actually got into it here, but I had made reference to a, a budget request that was uh, done for this year. Uh, so um, I don't, Jen, maybe if you want to kind of give us a little uh, update on what was requested. Sure. Yeah, so thank you so much, Representative Miller. So, you know, I talked about, uh, it, I'm, and I'm so thankful that both the Department of Aging and Department of Health are here because they've been just wonderful partners um, in this process. And so, you know, you, you heard Julie talk about the state plan and some of the initiatives that have been happening, um, you know, more so at the community level and best practices. Um, you heard Melissa talk about um, the early detection diagnosis legislation that was passed earlier this year. Um, and those truly have been a result of, um, you know, especially with Act 9, um, the Act 9 implementation, that really was the result of our advocates saying we need to do more. And actually, it was exciting to see that with Act 9, for the first time in history um, in Pennsylvania, brought this issue under that public health lens. And that's kind of the perspective that we're coming at. We really do need to be also looking at this disease in the same way that public health addresses other leading chronic diseases. Alzheimer's is the, is the sixth leading cause of death, and it is a chronic disease, and there are things that you can do to modify the, that. And so, when we're looking at where we need to go in the future, and especially when we are you know, working with the families and we're hearing from our constituents about what needs to happen, Pennsylvania needs to do more. And that's really where we're looking at you know, really taking the, the work that has been done already. Um, you know, Julie talked through about some of the things and the initiatives that the Department of Aging has been doing. They're doing all of those without dedicated state funding. And she also mentioned that the staff that's currently in place, they are doing many other things. And so what we're really trying to advocate for and what we feel is really necessary in Pennsylvania is to create a public health 
infrastructure. And that infrastructure is then to be that internal advocate for government to act as conveners and collaborators to look at those best practices, to pull that together, to look at other funding opportunities that are available at the federal level, but Pennsylvania is missing out right now because there isn't this focused internal advocate coordinated approach at the government level that can help pull those necessary stakeholders that can help engage at the state level and really mobilize around so many of those recommendations that are in the state plan. Um, and so we were looking at building this, you know, creating this public health infrastructure through um, legislation that would in fact establish a mandate because again, as Julie mentioned, um, the executive order was not mandated. And so there isn't anything in statute that requires accountability and collaboration and cross-departmental collaboration. Okay, Jen, how much Sorry. were you asking for? So we are actually moving forward as we look to also help support the implementation of Act 9 because there are some components of Act 9 that are not being fully implemented. We are looking for this next um, legislative session at about a $750,000 appropriation to support this public health infrastructure on dementia. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing my advocate hat. I get no, very no, passionate okay. about Look, these issues. There, there was a lot there. Okay. I know. Well, I appreciate it. So, and, and by the way, if you can, you could um, stop sharing your screen as well. Uh, oh, that, okay. that, that's fine as my well. Apologies. Thank you. No, no, it's all good. Uh, so, uh, Julie, um, uh, Melissa, uh, if you can, I'd, I'd love to get some thoughts. Obviously, we've heard from Alzheimer's Association with what they think would be helpful here. You know, um, we had a couple questions here with people saying, hey, um, you know, how are we measuring goals, right? So uh, how many goals have been accomplished, uh, you know, say in the last four years or so? So how would you guys characterize the progress that we're making? Um, uh, obviously, we're talking a bit too about, you know, that there aren't uh, maybe some teeth into a couple things that that, that could be helpful. So uh, Julie, Melissa um, in particular, uh, just any, any thoughts on that? You know, it's really hard um, to really talk about the goals, you know, and what's been accomplished because the state plan is so comprehensive and there are so many entities involved. So I can pretty much speak to the strategies um, that the Department of Aging has done. Um, we've talked about the forum every year. It's, you know, it's been well received. We've had great success with that every year. It's, it's wonderful. So I encourage everyone that can to attend. Um, we focused on the dementia-friendly communities and really education and training. Um, a couple other things that we have done, we've explored partnerships, you know, working with the Alzheimer's Association and also Dementia Friends um, and really trying to raise awareness. Um, another thing that um, we've encouraged is um, access and um, to electronic health records. But all of these strategies and all of the goals, really, they require ongoing and continuous work for us all to be successful. Melissa, please go ahead. 
Yeah, sure. And I think that right what Julie said at the end, the ongoing communication and the collaboration. Um, and I think that is something for the last, I would say in particular, the last year and a half, two years is something that the departments have been working to do. Um, like for example, um, when we were putting together this web page and the provider resources, um, we first went to aging and said, hey, you know, let's let's not start with anything new. We know that you guys already have a, a lot of this information. Um, we know that a lot of people tend to go to you guys first because there is that there is that misconception, there is that stigma that you're an older adult, which means you're gonna have memory issues, which is not the case. And it also affects younger people as well. So we said, let's see what you guys have pulled together and then we'll, we'll take it, um, you know, we'll, we'll pull together that information. We'll also get some information together, including risk reduction factors and like how Jen had referred to, um, you know, across the across the life spectrum and and really how um, how folks can be. Um, what do they need to do now before they um, before they are um, more at risk to develop the disease? Are there things that can be done? Um, and again, with it being, you know, a chronic issue, um, treating it like one. Um, so at this point, we're getting uh, more involved. Um, we are also part, I know we talk um, with the department also about financial exploitation related issues, um, which, you know, is a big issue for those um, with memory related disorders. Um, and we have some links on that on our website as well. Um, so it's really um, just working more collaboratively at this point. Okay, and again, I'll, I'll come back and uh, uh, just for, uh, again, just an invite to all the speakers if you can, uh, if you could log, um, if you could put your cameras on, it might it would probably be a little bit helpful for me too, if you can. Uh, if not, I understand, but it'd be great. Brendan, uh, from your from your purview there, um, thoughts as to uh, how progress is being measured or how progress is being achieved? Yeah, so, so just really speaking from from the Allegheny County AAA perspective, um, you know, we, we obviously work uh, certainly through many of our programs directly under the, the purview of, of the Pennsylvania Department of Aging. So, you know, on, the, on some of those I may, I may defer to Julie. Um, however, I would say um, certainly just on um, the overall topic of, of Alzheimer's and individuals with, with cognitive um, incapacities, um, simply that, that our agency um, has, a, has a great deal of experience and resources available uh, to those individuals. Um, certainly uh, for folks who also do not have a, a cognitive uh, incapacity as well, um, but, but that's really our role um, is to serve those through, you know, our care management programs, through our caregiver programs, through our protective services programs, and, and we're there as a resource for that uh, primarily. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I appreciate it. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and pepper a little bit here, back and forth. Okay, so so first off, just subjectively, in a way at all here, to for your opinion, this is what I want to know from your uh, opinion with. It. How would you grade Pennsylvania's uh, preparedness at this time for what is coming? So when we're talking about the 40,000 that are going to be here uh, in about uh, two and a half years uh, to the higher projection numbers that I see for uh, um, 2030 and 2040. Uh, Jen, how's what would you give Pennsylvania's preparedness at this time? Well, I, I mean, I'm not going to assign a grade. I would say that we are not prepared. Um, so enough. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. And that right? sounds like an F to it's me. Hard to, it's hard to level that level set that. But, um, you know, there 
I think as we're looking, as we're seeing the projections going, you know, we, I, I'm happy to hear that there is the interest to have more of the, the cross-departmental collaboration and, and certainly looking at ways and we can pull even other departments in like the Department of Human Services and Labor and Industry, um, you know. So, I mean, I think looking forward, you know, from our perspective, it really comes down to we need those system-wide changes, not necessarily, um, you know, and, and we're not looking at the state to do this all. Absolutely not. We are looking at all of the partners, all of the stakeholders that have statewide representation, the industry, the other advocate groups, lots of the academic institutions and researchers and primary care people. There are so many people that need to be at the table that aren't right now talking well, collective right, to be able to address it moving forward. Yeah, and thank you. I'm going to just because I want to keep moving real quick with I'm going to give you, I, I guess I'll say incomplete. Melissa, tell me something here. Your opinion, what, how's the state pre uh, preparation for the numbers that are coming here? We good to go um, in 2025 for those 40,000 people? We ready? Are we ready? Um, I would say that we are doing our best at this point in time with the resources that we have available to us and this dedicated staff. Um, because I'll tell you what, the people that, that do this type of work are extremely dedicated and, and really care for this population. So do you have the resources that are necessary to care for the influx of 40,000 and, and the higher numbers that are within 10 years out? Um, it, 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 it specifically, what do you mean by resources as you well? Said I mean, you said you're doing pretty broad. You We're said doing, you're doing what we yeah. can with, with yeah. what we have. But, you're saying um, you're do hold on there. You said you're doing the best with the resources that you have. So I appreciate it. You got 40,000 more people in about two and a half years. You have uh, even uh, double of that within 10 years uh, uh, more uh, than the 40,000. Uh, resources a problem or resource not a problem? We would be happy to have more resources, Representative. Uh, Julie? I think Melissa's really answered that question really well. Um, I and I probably would answer the question the same way. You know, we are really doing what we can within the resources we have. I'm very proud of everything that we have done um, with the task force and having the forums and our infographic is wonderful. And you know, it will continue to forge that path and to continue to do what, what we can. Uh, Brendan. I, I'm going to echo both Melissa and Julie's responses as well. I, I, we're very proud of the efforts of our staff to do to do what they can with 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 the resources that we have. Yeah, you know, look, and I appreciate it. it's a bit of a tough spot. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, though, man. I don't I don't believe it. So um, you know, uh, it's not what I get when I talk to people. It's not what I get when I talk to uh, to families who are in. Uh, there's still so much in re in relation to navigation, uh, and there's so much concern that comes in, especially with a challenge um, uh, to uh, staffing uh, that we are still coming across in so many of these related fields, right? So I, to be honest, I. I, I'm, I'm very concerned. Julie, you brought up some very good points. There's no doubt with the task force uh, that uh, that was created, you guys have tried to fill in some of the gaps that the legislature has perhaps not given as much guidance on uh, in, in trying to uh, fulfill a, a mission. Um, so I, I definitely think you're right that there is a lot of good work that has been done, uh, but I also think the word choices are, are, are what they are. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's I get a little more flexibility to say some things than perhaps 
some of uh, some of you guys. Let's talk about staffing uh, really quick. Look, one of the things that I hear from people often uh, here is a concern about um, the quality of the staff, both for uh, in-home services and facility-based services. Uh, and what I'm getting is concerns about turnover. Uh, to a higher percentage. This was never really a fantastically stable workforce uh, to begin with and what we're seeing here now. How, how concerned are you guys in relation to having the trained staff uh, in a stabilized workforce for the numbers that are coming 40,000 in two and a half years and above? How concerned is the staffing question uh, for you guys? So uh, why don't we start off this time with uh, Julie? Thank you. I mean, we all know that, you know, there is a crisis with direct care workers and caregivers being able to care um, for individuals. So it, it, it is a growing concern, you know, among all of us and all of our agencies, you know, working together to take care of our consumers. Um, I'm sure that Brendan can probably speak a little bit more to what he sees in your county um, since he works very close with that. All right, let's jump over. Brendan, everything cool in, in uh, Allegheny? We, we're staffing well, I, okay? I, I, yeah, 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 thanks. Um, I, I think Julie used uh, the most appropriate word, which is crisis. It truly is a, a crisis in terms of lack of in-home workers uh, for our seniors in Allegheny County. It has impacts um, for folks just who are um, approved and qualified for a program, but do not actually have the worker coming in the door because that worker's position is just not filled. The agencies just don't have the workers. Um, but it also has impacts, you know, further down the line, I would say for, for older adult protective services, has, has more cases, more of a volume coming in for folks who typically would have someone coming in to help with bathing, help with meal preparation, but the worker just is not there and this person is on their own. So it, it, Julie used the best word possible there. It truly is a crisis. Melissa, if you agree with, with the word choices of Brendan and Julie concerned about a crisis or that there is a problem with staffing, what, what do you think can be done or do you have some thoughts as to what we can do to help sort of uh, reverse that trend and sort of strengthen the resiliency of our of our care system. Well, that's a that's a pretty deep question, um, and this is I would say yes, it's been exacerbated, particularly under COVID, but there has always been a, a staffing staffing related issues. Um, I know that there are, um, it depends on who you ask um, as to what the solution is. Do you do you pay workers more? Are they paid appropriately? Um, do you increase um, the reimbursement um, on Medicaid for, for um, the folks that are being taken care of? Um, and also you, to help the you health. You gotta do that though, right, Melissa? I mean, the, 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 those rates are too low. I mean, are, are, are they not? I'm not gonna speak on that, however, the question Jen, Jen was is, nodding her head. Let's turn it over agree. to Jen <laughs> on that. Um, but the conversation is is out there and there, there is a, a lot of back and forth on on what 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 do we do to ultimately to ultimately help out folks and to help and to help the workforce out at this point in time, especially with um, the increase in senior population that that we're seeing. Well, and, and that's Allegheny County. I mean, right. So, I mean, you know, uh, Brendan knows the age of our of our county and Western PA in general. Uh, you know, Jen, uh, 
those rates are, are, are ridiculous, right? Uh, they're too low. They need to be indexed to inflation uh, and, and moved up on. No? I would, would agree with that 100%. Um, you know, there's, and, and to Melissa's point, there's a variety of issues. Pay, um, you know, it, it is certainly from the industry standpoint, it's, it's the reimbursement rate. That's, that's a factor and that needs to be adjusted. Um, and then when you just look at the workforce generally, it's, um, you know, it is the lack of pay. Um, it is, we hear, we actually hear a lot about training, um, not having enough training. And and specifically when it comes to, you know, I, I think about not only providing those home and community-based services, but also long-term care settings. So your nursing homes and your personal care homes, um, staffing ratios, staffing, um, you know, right. complement to be able to deliver the person-centered care that's necessary. But when you don't have a workforce that is there um, or there's such high turnover, that's a problem. So this truly is one of the biggest, um, you know, policy quandaries um, that, you know, certainly needs to continue to be addressed, um, you know, by by decision makers um, yeah. to see how better support this workforce. Well, but, um, but yes, yeah, it is a crisis. Would agree there I as well. And I know that we're going a little bit over, so let me try to wrap up uh, in, in a quick thing here with it. But so, look, I, I very much appreciate it. Like I said, whatever your problem was before the pandemic, most of the time it's worse after the pandemic. We're dealing here in my district right now with a, uh, a skilled nursing or personal care uh, shutdown uh, to one of the facilities here. And, and it is uh, uh, scary for many, drastic uh, and raises a bunch of, of concerns uh, for uh, the, those who are living there and those who have loved ones there alike. So there's a lot there. Um, look, let me ask you this uh, here. If, uh, if you guys could make um, a, a, a change, a singular change, uh, coming up in this uh, next year, new governor, maybe stay out of that, but a new session with the legislature here, uh, in order for us to strengthen uh, our um, our plan here uh, for this influx of more Pennsylvanians with Alzheimer's. Uh, what would you want to see the legislature prioritize? So uh, let me go. I'll go to Jen first. She probably has it like right there. So Jen, what would I you want to see? <laughs> it is um, dedicated state funding that would create a dementia public health infrastructure in the Department of Health. And that includes the staffing, the codification of the state plan, and a dedicated, robust ADRD advisory committee. You put a lot into that, but okay, we'll let that we'll let that go. Brendan, what do you think? What's the one thing we need to do to help you do you know do everything you'd like to do as far as helping people? Yeah, so I, I might go back a little bit to what we were just talking about with with the in-home worker crisis because I I really think it's that acute. Um, and it, it, it spreads really to all areas uh, of our work. And um, what I would say, um, if I can get on my soapbox a little bit, um, there's certainly a financial component to it, but I also think um, as a society, how we value those in-home workers needs to be reevaluated. This is, this is a job that takes care of our grandparents, aunts, uncles, moms, fathers. And in, as a society, the more we can value that work in addition and pay them, you know, accordingly, um, I, I think that's that that will really help solve a lot of the other issues um, that it's currently impacting. Julie, what do you think? 
I think I'd like to see a lot more collaboration, a lot more partnerships, because uh, like I've mentioned before, we can't do this. Each one of us can't do it. We have to do it all together. We have to band together. We have to be partners and we have to move our initiatives forward together. So that's what I'd like to see. Melissa? Agree. I agree with all three. I think um, workforce shortages. Um, you also need to have more collaboration. Um, and you also need to have a dedicated funding resource. Last thing of, of this here too is uh, the families. So you somebody had referenced 401,000 unpaid caregivers. Okay, so uh, that's obviously a massive figure. It's a figure that's probably just going to keep going up. Uh, what what should we be doing to help our caregivers? Um, you know, in any way, what should we be prioritizing to help? Uh, Melissa, thoughts? I think, um, you know, without specifically, again, saying further resources, um, it's really just making them aware of the of the resources that are perhaps already out there, so especially at the local levels and the community levels, um, support groups that are available. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think what else really I, I, I would prefer to refer to uh, Brendan and Jen, though they're, they would really know better than I would as far Brendan? as the local community resources. Sure. Brendan, what do you think? Yeah, Melissa's right. We, we, we do have local resources. Um, I, I referenced briefly um, in our overview of Area Agency on Aging programs, we have a dedicated caregiver support program. That's what the program, it, it really exists to, to support caregivers, both um, in terms of training and resources, but also financially with, with, with reimbursement to those caregivers. So I, I think this question is a perfect setup to another plug for our caregiver support program. Julie? Yeah, and I just like to um, kind of echo what Brendan said um, with the caregiver support program. Um, it's a wonderful resource for our caregivers um, with, you know, the financial reimbursement, also access to education, benefits counseling, and support groups. So I, I just encourage everyone that might be in that situation that doesn't know about that resource to contact their local AAA. They'll be able to assist. Uh, Jen, take us home with a final thought. So I would also I would 100% exemplify everything that they said, but I would also be remiss if I did not say that we do also the Alzheimer's Association is available to through our helpline and that number is 800-272-3900 and that is available to anybody that needs help needs has questions needs information um, in addition to the wonderful things that the triple a's are doing um, would absolutely recommend that um, but again you know you mentioned to representative miller and appreciate this is a growing public health crisis and so i'm looking forward to collaborating with the general assembly and the the new administration um, the department of health and department of aging and other departments and stakeholders across the state to truly move the needle in changing the trajectory of this disease. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to more work that we can all participate in uh, together. Well, listen, thank you. And, and I know we went a bit long, to be honest, I feel like I have another hour in me, but you guys don't. So, uh, you know, at least not today. So I, I appreciate uh, the discussion. Uh, look, before we say goodbye uh, with it um, for today, um, you know, look, I, I really feel, first off, thank you everybody for the work that you do. Um, and of course, for joining us here today. And I know 
we pushed a little bit into some things. To be honest, I feel like the issue has to be pushed. Um, you know, and it, it's got to be something where we need the leadership in the legislature and hopefully whatever will be the decision and then the governor's uh, race as well uh, to to prioritize some of the work that you guys have been doing um, has been tremendous without much real funding to to bring it home. Uh, and uh, given the numbers that we see, um, you know, look, I was uh, you know, I was a firefighter in my town for a long time, uh, one of the last um, incidents I was called on, actually I, I called in on, uh, was um, on a cold night after training up here on Washington Road. Uh, I, I, I was driving home uh, and I saw a woman in the middle of the road. Uh, the woman had no shoes on. Uh, it was probably, you know, 38 degrees, something like this. Uh, no shoes on, some degree of um, uh, like some sort of uh, something to sleep in um, and uh, was clearly get, uh, was was not doing well. Uh, I pulled over, um, talked to her, got her into a, one of my fire uh, coats there to get to kind of keep her warm uh, and made a call. And, um, you know, uh, her, she had Alzheimer's and she lived right here. Uh, and she was in that sort of gray area between living alone um, and not, and the challenges of of what that meant for her and her family to find safety, especially when the, some of the wandering had been picking up, uh, some of the wandering afterwards. It, there was a lot of fear in her eyes, um, and she knew that something was wrong. Uh, she'd kind of missed a couple steps along the way, but she knew something was wrong. Uh, and while we sat there waiting for uh, Mertza and, and uh, the, the police department to come, um, there's a lot of humanity that we all can recognize in those eyes. Uh, and um, that is a very um, a, a, a challenging thing. All diseases are, are horrible. Uh, few diseases rob the person of so much um, as Alzheimer's does. Uh, I'm very concerned that uh, the state uh, is only doing window dressing. And what concerns me the most is that we are at a time with billions of dollars in a, in a legislative bank account sitting there, okay, sitting there. That's after we, uh, the budget is done. It's, it's surplus right now. We couldn't get a half million dollars to help sort of organize some of the work here that we've talked about today. And while we've done some things for some care workers, we clearly don't have a larger plan and initiative to stabilize this, to figure out where some things are wrong uh, and to better plan for this influx that's coming. So uh, talking with you, I've been very helpful uh, and you know I thank you for it. Um, and I know I pushed uh, on a couple spots, so I apologize, uh, but, but I am very disappointed that we can't report a little bit better. It doesn't mean good work isn't being done, but um, it would be nice if Pennsylvania uh, led the nation in planning for it's clearly uh, in, you know a population that that is here, knowing the age in particular of Western PA, uh, and, and and is in a better position. Uh, so I really hope that it's something in the next term that we can do. So if we do this discussion again in a year, we have even stronger things to report. With that, I want to thank again Melissa Myers, Julie Seavey, Brendan Hanley, Jenny Brasol.
I hope you got that right. So uh, from the Alzheimer's Association, I want to thank all of you again for making some time. Uh, we appreciate that. Thank you everybody for watching or listening. Uh, again, we'll look to make some of the uh, uh, the um, audio, uh, the visual presentations available uh, online. But we, we thank you so much, and we'll look forward to seeing you at our next event soon.